Well, good good morning, everyone, and uh, welcome. It's really, really good to see you all, um, those that are here, um, and obviously those who are following us uh, online on Zoom. It's, uh, it's great to be together. We're all part of one family, whether we're here in person or whether we're whether we're we're on Zoom, so it's great to come together to worship God. And um, if you're if you're here for the first time, you're very very welcome. Um, just uh, just for those who are here for the first time, we we ask that people um, would serve themselves the bread and the juice when it comes to uh, communion. If you haven't um, brought uh, bread and juice today for communion. Um, could you just stick your hand up now? We've got spare and we can we can help you out. So if you if you didn't know that it was communion and you'd like some, you'd like some bread and wine, um, could you put your hand up? And oh, we're all prepared. Look at that. No, wow, I'm impressed. So and hopefully those of you watching uh, at home on Zoom have also remembered. If you haven't, it might be a really rapid trip down the road to Co-op or whatever your nearest uh, store is to go and get some. Um, Today, of course, is uh, Father's Day, and um, this is a day when we can give thanks to God for past and present love shown by fathers. Um, I, I appreciate that for others of you, this day may be more difficult. Um, maybe you don't have um, the experience of, of, a, of a good role model, a loving father in your own life. But all, all of us today, I'm sure, can think of those who have provided a more positive father influence in our life. Perhaps they weren't your biological father, but they fathered you in some way, and we can give thanks to God for their example to us of fatherhood. But all of us can come and give thanks to God today because God, our Father in heaven, is the perfect and loving Father, and he's the one who never leaves us, never forsakes us. He is slow to anger and uh, rich in abounding love and grace and mercy. And he loved us so much that he gave his one and only son to die for us so that by faith we might have eternal life. And so whatever your experience of, of being fathered is today, let's give thanks to God and come before him in worship, recognizing that he loves us and the proof of his love is ultimately in the gift of his son uh, for each one of us. Um, but also, I wanted to begin by reading a scripture um, which reminds us all, if, if you're a Christian and you've invited Jesus into your heart and life, you are called a child of God. He is your father in heaven, um, and he has sent his Holy Spirit to live in you, and you have been adopted as a son into the family of God. And Paul says this, for those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. Isn't that wonderful that? we can cry, Abba, Father, dear Father, through Jesus Christ. And uh, so we're going to begin by singing, Father God, I wonder how I managed to exist. Um, so we, we, I say sing, um, we're not 
we're not allowed to sing, but please do uh, as you as we stand together and share together as uh, Charlotte and Sarah sing. Um, please just reflect on the words and uh, perhaps you sing them in your head, but clap along, move, do what you whatever you want to do just to just to worship God in, in your own way. So let's stand together to uh, to worship.
worship you, we love you, we praise you, and we say how great you are, how great you are. We worship you this morning. Um, so just like to uh, unmute yourself on uh, Zoom and just speak out prayers of praise or in here. Um, Nigel's got the microphone. If you'd like to just uh, pray out loud, please raise your hand and uh, Nigel will come sprinting over with the microphone. So uh, let's just give praise and adoration to God as the Spirit leads. Some words from Psalm 104. Bless the Lord, O my soul. O Lord, my God, you are very great. You set the earth on its foundations so that it should never be shaken. You make springs to gush forth in the valleys. They give drinks to the very beasts of the field. You cause the grass to grow for cattle and plants for man to cultivate, that they may bring forth food from the earth and wine to gladden the heart. You have made the moon to mark the seasons and the sun knows his time for setting. When the sun rises, man goes to forth to his work and will labor until the evening. O oh Lord, how manifold are your works, and in wisdom you have made them all. Amen. Thank you, Heavenly Father, that we have the freedom to come and worship you. We just thank you. Our hearts are absolutely bursting to sing out loud. Our hearts, you know, we love you and we thank you and we praise you for this freedom that we have. Please bring that day when we can all be together singing and worshipping you. In Jesus' name, amen. Grandchildren are the crown. Grandchildren are the crown of age and the glory of children in their fathers. Um, Matthew 18 to 10. See that you do not despise one of these little ones, for I tell you that in the heaven there are angels always see the face of my fathers who is in my father who is in heaven. <clears throat> I want to thank God for my first great granddaughter, Emily Rose who was born in January this year. Thank God I am alive to see her, even in the midst of the pandemic of this 19. I want to thank God for my daughter, Karen, who is Emily's grandmother, and Will, who is her father, as they are both have their birthdays today, the 20th of June. Thank you, God. Thank you. Lord, we just thank you that we can indeed sing those words, how great thou art, Lord, because you are an amazing God, Lord. There's a banner here that says, I am the Lord, your God, Lord. We just thank you that you are our God. You're our Lord. You're our Savior. You're our provider. You're our healer. You're everything, Lord. And we just thank you that we can indeed come together as part of your body to praise you, to lift you on your name on high, declare you are our Lord, and we love you, Lord. Thank you. Amen.
as we uh, prepare to share uh, in bread and wine, we're going to uh, sing uh, a hymn that just reminds us that Jesus came from heaven uh, to sacrifice himself and to shed his blood that we might be forgiven and cleansed. He was the servant king who came to die that we might have life. Let's, uh, let's stand as we uh, reflect on the words of from heaven you came. Let's stand together.
the Apostle Paul writes of the Lord's Supper, for I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. But the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let's pray together. Jesus, in these simple elements, we see the story of the gospel. Jesus, you said, I am the bread of life, and whoever feeds on me will live forever. And so as we feed on this living bread, in the power of your Holy Spirit, we ask, Lord, that you would revive us, fill us afresh with your spirit, strengthen us in our faith. And Lord, as we consider the wine, the juice that we're about to drink, we remember your blood, Jesus, which was shed for the forgiveness of our sins, the blood of the new covenant relationship, a relationship, Lord, where by faith, your law, your commands, your teachings are written on our hearts by the Holy Spirit. And we thank you that in the new covenant, Lord, your Holy Spirit lives in each child of God. And we know you as Abba Father through the adoption of the Spirit who lives in us. The Spirit who gives us the power and the desire to obey your commands and teachings. So, Lord, as we consider this, this, this wine, Jesus, we thank you for the forgiveness that your blood offers us. Thank you that we stand acquitted. We stand clothed in the righteousness of Christ. Thank you, Jesus, for dying for us. And thank you that in rising again from the dead, you showed that the penalty of death has been fully paid. And we thank you that through your death, we are spiritually raised again to new life. And one day, we will be physically raised up with new resurrection bodies. So thank you, Jesus, for your salvation in our lives. Thank you for your cross and your resurrection. And we ask now that as we feed on this living bread and drink this wine of the new covenant, that your grace might come to us afresh that you would strengthen us in our walk with you. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So we take the bread and we break it and we eat it, remembering that Jesus said, take and eat, this is my body given for you.
And as we take the wine, we remember that Jesus said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. We're going to move now into a time of, of open prayer. Um, if you'd like to pray on Zoom, please unmute yourself and uh, pray as the Spirit leads. And if you're here in the sanctuary, again, we just ask that you just raise your hand if you want to pray, and Nigel will, uh, will bring the microphone to you. So let's bring uh, people known to us in the fellowship and further afield who need a touch of Christ's grace and mercy and help before him. But also let's remember our brothers and sisters in the global church, particularly the, the persecuted church, as we come to, to pray. Please lead us as the Spirit leads you. Lord, we thank you so much for what you went through on the cross for mm, us, Lord. Yeah. And we know that we're just so privileged to know this, but there are others, Lord, who really need you at this time. Yes. And I just pray for those who are grieving through the loss of loved ones. Lord, you know who I mean, Lord, and I just pray that you would be so close today to them. Lord, on this special day as well, Father's Day, when others are grieving the loss of a dear father, that you would be close to them too. Lord, you have said, uh, how blessed are those who mourn. And I just pray that for so many today, Lord, who are, are grieving and mourning, Lord. Amen. Father God, we just thank you that you are our Heavenly Father. And whether we have a Father on earth alive or not, that you are there and you will wrap your loving arms around us and be everything that we need. But Father, we do pray for earthly fathers too. We thank you for them and we pray that wherever they are, you will give them wisdom in their parenting, but also that they will know the love of their children and your love too. For we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Mm. 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 Mm.
Mm-hmm. I'm sick of your love, Lord, to know that they are not alone and they still have a father within you. Yes. Amen. Amen. Yes, Lord, thank you. Father, I just want to pray for Ile um, and her family. Lord, it's still very raw, uh, the loss of Victor. And Lord, we today will be difficult for them. Um, but Lord, I just pray, especially for Ile and the children today, that you would just uh, pour out your love and comfort and grace into their hearts and lives. Surround them, Lord. Protect them. Watch over them. Strengthen them with your grace today in Jesus' name. Amen. Father God, as we come around your word to hear it read and to uh, sit under your word and to uh, listen to what you have to say, Lord, we ask that by your spirit you would open up this living word to us today and feed us with living bread from your word and help us, Lord, to not just be hearers, but uh, doers of your word. And we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I think, Mark, are you, your group going out? Yeah, thank you. Okay, so we're, we're starting a, a new, uh, I think it's five-part series on uh, God's design for work um, today. And uh, God's design for work begins in the beginning um, of uh, the Bible, in Genesis. So we're going to look at uh, Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, to Genesis chapter 2, verse 2. Um, so let me read this uh, for us. In the beginning... God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. God saw that the light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness. God created, God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning the first day. And God said, let there be an expanse between the waters to separate water from water. So God made the expanse and separated the water under the expanse from the water above it. And it was so. God called the expanse sky and there was evening and there was morning the second day. And God said, let the water under the sky be gathered to one place and let dry ground appear. And it was so. God called the dry ground land. And 
and the gathered waters he called seas, and God saw that it was good. Then God said, let the land produce vegetation, seed-bearing plants and trees on the land that bear fruit with seed in it, according to their various kinds. And it was so. The land produced vegetation, plants bearing seed according to their kinds, and trees bearing fruit with seed in it according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening and there was morning the third day. And God said, let there be lights in the expanse of the sky to separate the day from the night and let them serve as signs to mark seasons and days and years and let them be lights in the expanse of the sky to give light on the earth and it was so. God made two great lights, the greater light to govern the day and the lesser light to govern the night. He also made the stars. God set them in the expanse of the sky to give light on the earth, to govern the day and the night, and to separate light from darkness. And God saw that it was good, and there was evening and there was morning, the fourth day. And God said, let the water teem with living creatures, and let birds fly above the earth across the expanse of the sky. So God created the great creatures of the sea and every living and moving thing which, um, with which the water teems according to their kinds, and every winged bird according to the, its kind, and God saw that it was good. God blessed them and said, be fruitful and increase in number, and fill the water in the seas, and let the birds increase on the earth. And there was evening, and there was morning, the fifth day. And God said, let the land produce living creatures according to their kinds, livestock creatures that move along the ground, and wild animals, each according to its kind, and it was so. God made the wild animals according to their kinds, the livestock according to their kinds, and all the creatures that move along the ground according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, let us make man in our image, in our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, over the livestock, over all the earth, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created man in his own image, in the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Then God said, I give you every seed bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that is fruit with seed in it. They will be yours for food. And to all the, bird, the beasts of the earth and all the birds of the air and all the creatures that move on the ground, everything that has breath or life in it, I give every green plant for food. And it was so. God saw all that he had made and it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning, the sixth day. Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. And by the seventh day, God finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Um, we have a large proportion of uh, retired people in our church family. And you might be wondering how inclusive and relevant is a series on work for you. Um, but as I'll show from uh, this passage today, the Bible has a much broader view and understanding of work than paid work and employment. Um, God wasn't paid for the work of creation. He wasn't under contract with anybody. 
Um, and yet the Bible describes this as work. Uh, chapter 2, verse 2. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he'd been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Um, God doesn't have a boss, doesn't have a contract, he isn't paid. And yet his creativity is called work. So I don't know what your creativity is. Maybe you're a writer. Maybe you're a painter. Uh, maybe you're a gardener. Maybe you work with textiles. Maybe, you, um, maybe you're a musician or a singer. Uh, whatever your creative spark is, um, that is what the Bible calls work. Work is culture making. It is filling the earth with good things for the benefit of others. So you don't have to be in paid work to do that, do you? Hello? Anybody there? Yeah? You don't have to be in paid work to create culture. Um, you can be a student. You can be at school. You can be retired. You can be a single mum bringing up a family. Wherever you are, whatever your role in life is, you have a call on you to be a culture maker. Um, we are called to cultivate the earth. Um, the New American Standard Bible um, in chapter 2, verse 15, says this. Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to cultivate it and tend it. It's the language of gardening, isn't it? I'm not a gardener, as you know. Um, we, uh, we just about take care of the grass cutting and the weeding um, and the hedge cutting on a good day. Um, that's it. So I struggle to, to kind of get a hold of the language here because some of you are, are natural gardeners. You, 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 you go to nurseries, you buy plants, you even know the name of the plants. I don't know what's a weed and what isn't. Um, I, I, I don't, but some of you know all the Latin names and you're into gardening and your gardens look magnificent. So much so that some of you put them on Facebook and you get hundreds of likes for them. Well, that isn't us. But we get the word culture from the verb to cultivate, don't we? And there's good reason for that. All human beings have a divine calling on them to cultivate the earth, to tend the earth, to care for it, and to create good things. Um, God has given us raw materials to work with. Um, Words are raw materials that we are called to cultivate and create good things with. Uh, natural resources um, in the earth are resources that God provides that we're to cultivate and create with. Andy Crouch, uh, in his book, Culture Making, which is an amazing book, says that culture is what we make of the world. What we make of the world. Um, we make Houses, cars, uh, smartphones, computers, roads, bridges, trains, planes. We cultivate God's resources. We, we cultivate language as we create philosophy, religion, laws, meaning, science, languages, poetry, plays, films, training courses, sermons, and so on. God is creative, and because we are made in his image, we are creative beings aren't we um 
We express this creativity by making physical things or by using our words to create. We write, we paint, we make music, we mold, we dream, we renew, we counsel, we analyze, we name, we describe, we interpret, we process, we count, we assess, we care for, we parent, we grandparent, if that's a verb. Uh, we build, we bring healing, and so on and so on. In other words, we cultivate the world that God has created to create culture. We are culture makers. This is how the Bible understands all work and service. It's cultivation, whether paid or unpaid, voluntary or not voluntary. So wherever you are called to serve at the moment, some of you may be parents, um, you know, whose vocation is uh, the school run and uh, getting the bag packed every morning, looking after the house, cleaning, washing, and all those tasks. Some of you are in paid employment. Some of you are retired. Some of you are students. Wherever you are, whatever you've been called to do, we are all called to be cultivators of the earth. Um, if you're in education, if you're a student, you are called to cultivate the intelligence and the, the information and knowledge that God has given to cultivate knowledge in yourself to pass on to others. We are all cultivators. There are three things um, from Genesis 1 and 2 that I want us to explore today about how all work is about um, culture making. And it's therefore a spiritual calling. Whether you are paid or not paid, retired or still at work or a student, we are all called to work in culture making and service. First, the earth was entrusted to human beings. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. That's the uh, command. That's a command. It's called the cultural mandate. The first, it's the first command in scripture. I don't know whether you're aware of that, but the first command is way before the Ten Commandments. Here it is. Um, we're called to, can we just go back one slide, Quentin? Uh, we're called to be fruitful and increase in number. Now that isn't just to fill the earth um, with human beings as if that's an end in itself. It is a call first and foremost to create culture and society civilization in other words um, and then we're called to subdue and rule over the creation i'll come back to what that means in a moment but god has entrusted um, the world that he made to us human beings straight after the creation of men and women he gave them a command in the second half of verse 28 which is this thanks quentin fill the earth and subdue it rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and over every living creature. So we have, been, we have delegated authority as human beings to steward the world and its resources, all the wildlife, animals, plants, as those created in the image of God, we have an authority delegated to us by God to look after the earth's resources and to cultivate them. Um, it's quite a responsibility really, isn't it? Um, Chris Wright in his book, The Mission of God, describes our role as rulers over the earth here uh, like this. He says, quote, God here passes onto human hands a delegated form of God's own kingly authority 
over the whole of his creation. It is commonly pointed out that kings and emperors in ancient times would set up an image of themselves in far-flung corners of their domains to signify that their sovereignty over that territory and its people. The image represented the authority of the true king. Similarly, God installs the human species as the image within creation of the authority that finally belongs to God, creator and owner of the universe. So we are vice regents. We are little kings over the creation who God has sent out to rule over the creation on his behalf. And as those made in God's image, our dominion, our rule over creation should be modeled on the way that God is as creator. God is a loving creator, a loving king, and he has the best for his subjects in mind. Psalm 145 says this, the Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and rich in love. The Lord is good to all. He has compassion on all he has made. So if we're to rule over creation in the image of God, we're going to be compassionate and gracious people, rich in love. Um, subduing and ruling the earth has nothing to do with destroying the earth and, and being uh, exploitative of the earth's resources. John Stott writes, we have no liberty to do what we like with our natural environment. It is not ours to treat as we please. God is the owner. We are the stewards. Um, we are the gardeners called to look after the garden on God's behalf. We hold it in trust. Um, that's what we believe as Christians, isn't it? We, we are called to look after creation, to cultivate it, to tend it, to care for it in a loving way um, because we hold it in trust. God will one day hold all human beings accountable for the way that we have treated the earth. So if we exploit the earth, if we treat the earth badly and destroy natural habitats and over hunt or overfish, God will hold us as a species accountable for this. So Christians ought to be at the forefront of campaigns and activities to look after the planet and steward the planet well. We ought to be people who are championing green issues in our time, but we're not not going to not got time to go into that in detail today secondly we are called to two tasks to cultivate that's to work the earth and tend it that's to take care of it this is the language of gardening um, we're called to carry on god's pattern of creativity um, god when he made the earth um, he didn't finish the whole job and that's why he told us to fill it and subdue it um, God said, there you are, go and fill it and cultivate it. So we're not, we're not park rangers. Um, that is, we're not just there to manage the space, to keep things as they are. Um, we're not to pave over the garden of the world and make a massive car park either, are we? We are gardeners who do not leave the land as it is. We rearrange creation to make it most fruitful. We dig up the ground, we rearrange the raw material of the garden so that it produces food, flowers, and beauty. Um, so I don't know what your, your role is at, at, at home or in the workplace or what roles you have in the church, if any. 
But all culture making, all work is about taking the raw materials of life and using them to create something beautiful for God. So if you have children to look after, I don't know whether you realize, but you are a culture maker. God has called you as a mother, a father to parent children in such a way that you bring him glory. Um, so you take the raw material of being a parent and you use it to serve God, to create something beautiful. Uh, music takes the physics of sound and rearranges it into something beautiful that brings meaning to life and enhances our worship, right? When you take fabric and make a piece of clothing, you are taking something that God has provided and making something beautiful. When you push a broom and clean up a room, you're taking a tool and you're using it to enhance a space or an area outside. When we use technology to harness the forces of electricity, we are making something useful that enhances the lives of others. When we take an unformed human mind and teach it a subject, we are making something beautiful. When we take simple materials, paint, or textiles, and we turn them into a work of art. We are continuing God's creative work of forming, filling, and subduing. So never, ever belittle your role as a grandparent, or a parent, or a carer. Never, ever think that your service to God that's not paid has no value in the kingdom of God. It has every value, because you are a culture maker, in whatever role God has for you in your particular season of life. We don't get to uh, retire as Christians, do we? Uh, you know, you may retire from paid work, but what somebody, an, a, an older minister once said to me, you don't, get re, you don't get retired, you get retreaded as a Christian. I quite like that. Do, do you know what I mean? You know, you just get remolded. Um, you're... Your calling today is different from what it was decades ago, isn't it? Um, some of you are called to be grandparents today. Some of you are called to use your creative gifts and skills to serve in voluntary roles in the community and in the church, um, to support your family wherever. Um, so thirdly, work is spiritual. Now, this is going to be liberating for, for some of you who just think, you're grinding things out Monday to Saturday and that your service and work have no meaning in the kingdom of God. I'm here to say it had every meaning in the world. And I hope that's liberating. God himself is a worker and he's created us to be his co-workers who carry on his work of creating as cultivators, as gardeners. Um, notice that Adam and Eve were called to work before the fall. Uh, work is not a consequence of the fall. Adam and Eve were called to work before the fall. That's really important. Work is not a necessary er evil arising out of the fall. Now, I know work can be highly frustrating. Um, there are politics in the workplace I've found over the years. Have you, anybody else found that? Um, sometimes work is frustrating. Some, you know, it just is. But we have a calling as Christians, despite the frustrations of work, to be culture makers, whether we're retired or in paid work or voluntary work. Um, 
The mistake has been made in Christian history of dividing up uh, life into the sacred and the secular. That was never God's intention. Um, so I found out that Eusebius in the fourth century distinguished between two ways of life we can choose as Christians. These are really unhelpful, I think, but, but this has kind of stayed with us in today even. Um, Eusebius said way back in the fourth century, the perfect life is spiritual and dedicated to contemplation reserved for priests, monks and nuns. Do you hear that? The permitted life, that's the rest of us, I guess. I, well, not maybe not me, but the, <laughs> I can't pretend, you know. The permitted life is secular, dedicated to action and open to tasks such as soldiering, governing, farming, trading, and raising families. Can you see where kind of unhelpful attitudes come from today? The division between the sacred and the secular. It's not what God intended. Um, in, it can sometimes seem in Christian circles today that all Christians are equal, but some are more equal than others, right? So we have a hierarchy of roles in our mind that are more spiritual than others, don't we? Missionaries at the top, always missionaries at the top, isn't it? Pastors, some way behind. Christian workers, followed by those in the caring professions, the health professions, education, way, way, way down to traffic wardens, <laughs> tax officers, and the state agents at the bottom. I apologize. I, <laughs> I think I'm on, I don't think we have anybody in those categories, so. If, if I do, I apologize, but I, I just threw that in there for a, for a bit of humor. Um, although, yeah, no, no, don't go there, no. <laughs> I'll cause offense. We are all called to be full-time Christian workers. Did you know that? All of us, every single one, at home, at college, paid, unpaid, we all have a sphere of service. But we can be made to feel historically that our, we're wasting our time as Christians running a business. That that's just kind of a subplot, a, a, a kind of thing we do on the side. And the real business is on a Sunday, right? We can be made to feel that our working in an office or doing housework or raising a family are in a kind of lower category of spirituality. And are therefore just a way that we get through Monday to Saturday, right? And the real action happens on a Sunday. But as Christians, if we affirm the doctrine of creation and this text, we cannot live like this and have this kind of attitude. If God made the world and everything in it, there can be no division between the sacred and the secular, the earthly and the sacred. God is concerned with the whole of life, including our work. Just to reinforce this, the Hebrew word in Genesis 2, verse 15, translated cultivate or work, are both used in a religious context in the, in the Old Testament for the temple and the tabernacle. Work or cultivate is often used to speak of the service of God, particularly in the service of priests in the tabernacle. Tend is used of religious duties of the Levites guarding the tabernacle. 
And when we work or cultivate the earth and tend it, we are involved in priestly work. We are worshipping God through our work of cultivating creation. The same verbs are there. So whether we're called to be culture makers at work or at university or school, uh, stay-at-home parents, paid employment, or whether we're retired, we're all involved in culture making. Um, sometimes we misunderstand the cultural mandate to fill the earth and subdue it. Um, Leyland Riken comments on this understanding. He says that to fill the earth and subdue it opens the way to regard work not simply as the arena within, within which one serves God, but through which one serves God. In other words, your work, your service is an arena through which you worship God. Um, we're not just serving God in working so that we can get opportunities for evangelism, is what I'm saying. Um, those do come. Those do come. And one of the ways that we serve God through our work is, is by meeting people who don't know Christ and sharing our, the story of the, the, the difference he's made for us. But our work in and of itself is a spiritual calling. It's not just a means to an end of generating non-Christian contacts for us. Um, it is a service and uh, a call on all of our lives, and it's good. Um, Luther said, Martin Luther, um, he, quote, the entire world would be full of service to God, not only the churches, but also the home, the kitchen, the cellar, the workshop, and the field. And he goes on. God will be working all things through you. Um, he will be milking cows through you. Any cow milkers here today? And <laughs> will be performing the most menial duties through you. Do you see that? Through you. God works through us to create culture, to bring him glory, to tend the earth, to cultivate the earth. So whatever you're doing in raising a family or as a student or in paid work, you are culture making. You are serving God through your service. Um, so the fact that all, all work is spiritual is liberating this morning. We need not feel ashamed anymore that our role as a parent or a student or as retired or as a, as a stay-at-home parent is not sufficiently Christian, right? We can serve God wherever we are and whatever season of life we're in. Parenting is Christian service. It is a job entrusted to fathers and mothers by God. It's said that Billy Graham's wife, Ruth Graham, had a plaque above the kitchen sink at home which said, divine service conducted here three times daily. Ah, ah you're saying we have a dishwasher. But who unloads and loads the dishwasher? It, it's still, it's still a, a task that we can commit to God, isn't it? Divine worship offered here. Maybe we should have that on our desk in the workplace. Divine worship offered here. Maybe you should have it above your kitchen sink um, or, on the or on the changing mat when you're changing nappies. Maybe you should have it on your computer screen, divine worship offered here.
We are called to serve God through our work. Paul said this in Colossians 3.23, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not men. I don't know how much supervision you have in your uh, daily tasks, but there is one who's always supervising you, and that's Jesus himself. So it doesn't matter whether the boss is away. doesn't matter whether your husband or wife are there and not over your shoulder. God is always watching, and we work for him. We do the best that we can to bring him glory. Some of us need to recognize that we've separated what we do Monday to Saturday from our worship. We've, we've kind of in our heads, we've allowed this sacred secular divide to say, well, Monday to Saturday, we just kind of grind it out and get through it. That's unspiritual. But, you know, God wants to say to you and me this morning, everything that I've called you to do in your family, in your church, in your workplace is an act of spiritual worship. That's how you lay yourself on the altar for me. You lay down your life, not just on a Sunday by coming to church. The whole of your life is an act of worship. To steward the gifts, the resources, the skills I've given you to cultivate creation. Isn't that wonderful? So everything you do is an act of worship that brings glory to God. So if you sweep the yard of the church, you are worshipping God. If you change the nappy of your child or grandchild, you are worshipping God and cultivating creation. If you paint a picture or create a poem, you are cultivating creation and bringing glory to God. It's what we're called to be, isn't it? Creative people with a music or physics or computers or programmers or estate agents. Yeah, even estate agents can glorify God if they work with integrity and they don't wear too much aftershave and no, sorry. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> How do we do this though? How do we bring glory to God through our work? Well, we remember who we are and we work from there. Paul says in Colossians 3:12, therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. When you know who you are, you can then live that out in your calling as a parent, grandparent, student, worker, in the church, in the community, in your home. You see, God says that in Christ, you are a holy person. You've been made holy. You've been cleansed, washed clean. You've been chosen, set apart to go into the world and represent God and rule over and create culture on his behalf. That's who you are. So then Paul goes on to say in verse 17, and whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God through the Father, through him. Do you see that Paul doesn't say, whatever you do, particularly as a missionary or pastor, right? Doesn't say that. Do it all, all, everything, gardening, parenting, Voluntary service in the church, voluntary service in the community, studying, educating others, looking after others through the health service. Everything you do, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God through him. That's your act of worship. Amen. Amen. 
Monday to Saturday is where the rubber hits the road and you work out what it means to live out as a servant of Jesus Christ, giving him glory, worshipping him Monday to Saturday. And we get together on a Sunday to refuel, to refresh, so that we can be sent out again to worship God Monday to Saturday, right? Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for the command to cultivate and tend the earth. Lord, wherever you've called us to be, whatever season of life we're in, I pray, Lord, for each one of us that you would fill us afresh with your Holy Spirit and help us to serve you and work at all that we do with joy and bringing glory, Lord, to you. Lord, forgive us where we've separated the sacred and the secular. Forgive us, Lord, where we've elevated certain activities to be spiritual and where we've relegated what we do to be unspiritual. Lord, have mercy. And Lord, help us to see that every one of us has a divine calling to cultivate the earth and and steward the gifts and resources you've given us to make the world a place where you are you are brought glory in so lord help us we pray in jesus name amen um this uh song has been or hymn has been recently written by the london institute of contemporary christianity we've sung it once before and it's to the tune of um abide with me that's it um so you'll know the tune and the words are really pertinent to what we've been talking about this morning. So thank you guys.
grace of God. Sorry, I'll start again. And may the love of God, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all evermore. Amen. Amen. If you would like um, prayer on Zoom after the service, please, uh, please text uh, the number or ring the number on the screen and uh, John will, uh, will take your, your number down and uh, put you into uh, a prayer breakout room. Um, but uh, thank, you for, uh, thank you for being here and, uh, or on Zoom and uh, may God bless you as you go into another week uh, to serve him.